Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's the Quixelstone podcast for Quixel friends all around the world. My name is Scuzzy Quixel, also known as Alex, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my Quixel compadre. It's my good buddy, my coach, Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Quixel Blake? You know, just getting stoned out here with the, the Quixel. Getting your kicks when we play with the quicks. Um, yeah, you got it. In case you haven't figured it out, I am extremely excited because we get to talk about one of my absolute favorite kinds of decks in the game of Keyford. It's the Quixelstone episode. Um, inspired by how much fun Blake and I had doing the auto encoder episode a couple of episodes back, I pitched this one and Blake was good enough to... to you know, be down with us doing an entire episode dedicated to the Quixel Stone. Um, but I have lots of things to say, and I'm super curious to get Blake's perspective as well. Um, I know that you've played some Quixel decks. You did some research about, uh, for this one. I played a bunch of different styles of Quixel deck in my research. It's an archetype I'm super familiar with. And it's also one that changes the game in a lot of ways that I think, uh, you know, th- I'm, I'm hoping that this ends up being a service to people who are playing uh, Quixel decks, and also to people who are going to be playing against Quixel decks going forward, because it's uh, they're out there. It's a card that has appeared in both the most recent sets, um, and there's subtle differences in what you're going to get out of a WC Quixel deck and what you're going to get out of a double or a mass mutation Quixel deck, as well as how you play against those. So I'm I'm just raring to go. Blake, are you excited for this episode? Oh yeah, let's get into it. Let's start off by letting people know what a Quixelstone deck is if they've never encountered it in the wild. The Quixelstone is an artifact in Star Alliance, has one pip of amber when you play it, and it says, very simply, if a player has more creatures in play than their opponent, they cannot play creatures. So, if that's confusing to you, think of it this way. If I have one creature on the board, my opponent can play up to two creatures, but then no more because he has more than me, and so on. If we both have an even number, then whoever's turn it is can play another creature, but that's it. So the board can keep growing, but pretty much only one or two creatures per turn, depending on how many are on the board. So, the basic strategy when it comes to a Quixel deck is... You're controlling what your opponent can put down from their deck onto the table, and you're doing that by limiting things via the Quixel Stone. It basically serves as a mass level of board control that applies to both players, and the basic strategy is you want to be going to this with a deck that is tuned to take advantage of that, and that hopefully your opponent does not have a deck tuned to deal with that, or without the artifact control to take Quixel Stone off the table. Make sense so far? Yeah, pretty straightforward. So I think the very first thing we need to talk about, Blake, is essentially what makes a good Quixel Stone deck. And more than almost anything else, this is one of those cases where we look to creature count as the metric that we are measuring by. I have played uh, a number of very successful Quixel decks. Never in any of those cases have they had more than 15 creatures in them. And even 15 is starting to feel a little high for me. Yeah, I think, I think like to clarify, like they're having Quixel stone in your deck and having a Quixel stone deck are two very different things. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, and I think that's a point that I'd love for you to expand on a little bit, because there is a key difference between the two. To me, a Quixel Stone deck is a deck 
that relies upon Quixel Stone to win and that almost everything in its makeup feeds into that. Now, what you're saying about there being the possibility of having Quixel Stone in your deck and having it not be a Quixel deck, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, in the world of our good friend, uh, Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. <laughs> so you got to be careful because you you can, if you play against someone who understands Quixel Stone and they have less creatures than you or less important creatures than you, you playing the Quixel Stone is actually setting yourself up for failure because there's very, there's very easy. Like you like, okay, like my creatures are going to hit the board and upon hitting the board, they're either A, going to create Amber Control or B, steal Amber or have an effect upon play. And you rely on that effect. Now your opponent can recognize this and literally go, you know what? I'm actually going to keep less creatures than my opponent right now because then they can't play those creatures. And if they can't play creatures, you cannot get Ember Control on the board or into play at specific times within the game. And and very top players will recognize this and know that this is the strategy. You do not allow your opponent to play creatures during certain times of the game and if you're going to get really aggressive with it you can do that and if you happen to have a good worlds collide one you can even throw a stealth mode on top of that so not only can they not play creatures they can't play actions and you can really pigeonhole a person's turn in that regard yeah absolutely so um i think the key differences that we're thinking about when your deck is not suited to play the quixel game is high creature count if you're getting up to like close to 20 or over 20 i would say that the chances of you being able to take the most advantage out of quixel are probably very slim it might be one of those cards that you always discard or it might be a card that you only throw down in a desperation situation game's getting away from you you got to slow your opponent down he's got six creatures out you have like one creature out maybe you throw down the quixel in that scenario just to like keep things under control while you play catch up i can see or that again scenario. if it's like the situation where you know they have creature ember control and they have more creatures than you and then you can throw it down so they can't play those creatures and stop you like there's there are scenarios where that exists but it becomes much more situational and i think there's other things that need to exist within your star alliance to help really fuel that Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that it's a Star Alliance artifact, I think, really does factor into major strategy and what cards you're mm -hmm. looking for with it. Um, which leads me to another part of the topic, which is not just the creature count, it's the quality of the creatures. So let's say that you've got a deck that you're looking at and trying to figure out if it's a good Quixel deck and you see that it's got a Quixel. Perfect. That's what you're looking for. Uh, you're looking down through uh, the other creatures in the deck. Oh, it's only got 13 creatures, let's say. Six of them are fight-based creatures sitting in like untamed. That's going to be a rough go of it. Um, what you want uh, out of creatures that are in the deck is creatures that have good play effects as often as possible. That means either creatures that are going to get you Amber or scenarios where you can do have effects on your opponent's game by playing the creatures. I'm thinking of things like key cost increase and so forth. Or in the case, especially of WC Quixel Stone decks, you're looking for those Calm Officer Kirbys so that you can really mm -hmm. start cycling through your hands as fast as possible. Because and Helmsman Spears too. I think Helmsman Spears is almost more important because you could get those creatures you don't want in your hand from other houses and mm -hmm. that's going to allow you to get rid of those and cycle into action cards and stuff so i think the kirby helmsman spears are like the ones you want the most to in a deck if you really want to see the true success with it but obviously those are big targets that people will take out but sometimes you know that works in your favor because your board is still smaller and your opponent can't do anything about it 
absolutely correct, Blake. Anything that's going to let you cycle your deck faster and get rid of cards that you don't want from your hand. Um, it is almost inevitable that if you're playing the Quixel game, that there will be a point where you have to discard creatures from your hand if you're playing it the right way. Because mm -hmm. one of the keys to success with it is you are the person who you want to dictate the board state almost always, which means oftentimes that I won't even put out a creature. If my opponent has one creature down and I've got no good value creatures in my hand, I will play whatever actions I have in my hand and throw my creatures out because I don't want to give them the opportunity to play another creature onto the board that they could potentially fight, reap, or perform some other uh, uh, action with. Um, maybe they've got creatures with good reap effects. Maybe they've got creatures with good fight effects. I don't want that. One of the keys, I think, to victory with Quixelstone is always understanding that you can dictate what happens on the board and you can entirely limit and in some cases cripple your opponent's game by way of not playing creatures. But if you're not playing creatures, that means you have to have other cards in your deck that are going to provide value for you. Oftentimes that means just anything you can play that's going to get you an amber. So cards that have amber on them. Um, of course, we're seeing tons and tons of cards in uh, mass mutation that have enhancements that are actually very useful in the context of a Quixel deck. Also, things that any, steal. Things that steal. And here's one that I absolutely th think is really critical to some of the better decks that I've played recently. Things that allow you to recur. So mm. in the case of a very classic Quixel combo, we're thinking about transporter platform. You've got a creature that has a good play effect. You throw it down, transporter platform, bring them back up, throw them back down, maybe with an enhancement for a little bit of extra amber. Maybe uh, it's a calm officer Kirby. You've got a Kirby's blaster. Suddenly you're drawing tons of cards, getting to play multiple cards, cards out of house. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. But I'm also thinking about things that let you pull cards back from out of your discard pile because oftentimes you will see hands in a Quixel game where you've got no real good thing that you can do with what you have in hand. It's just, I'm going to discard three creatures. I'm going to play an, um, a card just to get it out of my hand. That doesn't really have an effect. Let's say it's like a red alert or something like that when there's no effect on it. And then, you know, I'm waiting to cycle back into my good stuff. So anything that lets you cheat around that whole deck cycle is going to be of tremendous value to you. I also think Red Alert is probably one of the worst cards in a Quixelstone deck because if you they have that creature advantage, you're not really wanting to necessarily remove that and put yourself in a position where you are allowing your opponent to catch up or play and cycle their creatures. That's the one thing that I'll say about that card. I do think that Red Alert has its value in a Quixelstone deck, and I'll tell you, and this leads into another topic that I want to talk about, is if you are behind on board and haven't played your stone yet, Red Alert is one of the cards that's going to allow you to take out your opponent's board before you put down that stone so that you can get it to the game state that you want. I've lost a lot of Quixelstone games, and very frequently what happens is by the time I get the stone in hand, they already have a board setup of like eight or nine creatures. And that is at a point where stopping them from playing creatures probably isn't going to have the desired effect. They've mm, already played fair. a large number of quality creatures. And in fact, as you're playing creatures, they have the option to take theirs off the table and so on and so forth so that they can, you know, bring that in furnace back or whatever activity they choose to uh, do. So I think that one of the things that I always look for when I'm assessing one of these decks is does this deck have a way to even the odds if my uh, Quixelstone doesn't come out first turn, which is a key part of Quixelstone strategy. 
generally speaking, I will always hard mulligan for the Quixel Stone. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You want it if you if your deck's playing that way, then not having it probably hurts you more than helps you. Yeah, like the, I think there's something to be said for decks wherein you can still get by without having to play the Quixel Stone. And I own a deck like that where even if that trick doesn't happen, it can still win and still win fairly reliably. I've played a few decks that definitely feel that way. But I think the majority of the time, what you're wanting is for that stone to get in place um, and also for it to stay in place for as long as possible. We could talk a little bit about the strategy of trying to lure your opponent into using their artifact control um, on other artifacts if you have them in your deck. So say, for example, um, you've got Quixel Stone and Transporter Platform in your hand. Uh, maybe you hold back the Quixel Stone if it doesn't look like your opponent's building up their board in the hopes that they go after the Transporter Platform first, maybe even pull off a couple of Transporter Platform tricks with it with some cards. But uh, one of the other things that you have to acknowledge with this is when you are assessing your opponent's deck when you're playing Quixel Stone, you have to look for that uh, artifact control and you have to determine whether or not uh, that artifact control is going to impact you in the way that it's going to make your strategy not work. Um, it's very possible that you will run into a scenario where you throw down Quixel Stone first turn, they blow out your Quixel Stone. What are you going to do about it? Do you have a way of bringing that artifact back? Let's hope so. If you don't have a way of bringing that artifact back, is the game over at that point, or do you have a path to victory from there? Can you cycle fast enough to get it back to hand? Do you have board clears and other things to, you know, basically prime the pump for when you can get it back out? These are all things that you kind of have to consider when you're thinking about seriously competitively playing one of these decks. Yeah, I mean... There's also some cool cards that that help you when you have Quixel Stone out, where once you maintain that sort of board state that you find desirable, where your opponent, like maybe you have only two creatures down, three, and you want to get that situation so you can keep your opponent locked, not playing creatures. Mm -hmm. And some of the cards that I think lend really well to it are first off Code Monkey, because you're basically reducing your creature count by one and potentially gaining Ember also playing that card. I think that's a fantastic card that can pair well with it. And the other one that I really like is actually Obsidian Forge for mm -hmm. multiple reasons. Having the ability to just pop one of your creatures and then give yourself that, uh, that ability to just go, this one's gone, I can play another one in its place. And do that every single turn, especially if Dis is very strong for you. It can be a really huge boon in the Quixel Stone deck because sometimes that's what it comes down to is you get in this mode of creature management. And that, that idea of like, what are my high value creatures? Because they're the ones I want to play. Have I got them yet? Am I leaving space for them? And especially the ones that are going to do Ember Control, I think those are the most crucial ones because especially in Worlds Collide and now we're, and Mass Mutations now, we're seeing that creatures are creating means for Ember Control. So when you don't get them out because you're locked in your count of creatures on the board compared to your opponent, it's not good. And, and especially if you're on a strategy of you're always going to have less than your opponent so that way they can pretty much not play a creature you need to be conscious of that because if you get to that even point then they can play one more creature and sometimes that's the difference there's also the fact that you know there's star alliance creatures having dinos i think sometimes with with quixelstone is a little dangerous because they're quite big creatures which means that gives your opponent the chance to swing into you 
and then they're going to lose their creature in your stays and now the tables have turned and now you could be locked because sometimes you just doing that lock of creatures is creating your opponent to see that exists and the effect of it and they're just going to do it back to you Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, having played against Quixel decks and having played a lot of them myself, I naturally know oftentimes what the strategy is. Sometimes you don't have the deck that's really well suited for it. You're playing a creature heavy deck, doesn't have a lot of good play effects. Maybe it doesn't have a lot of printed amber on it, but just understanding that you can take turn the tables on the person playing Quixel Stone just by not playing creatures and doing it that way is oftentimes a way that you can cripple uh, an opponent who is playing using that strategy. So, I, I mean, I think playing Quixel Stone definitely gives you an idea of how to stop uh, your opponent from using it against you in a lot of cases. Super glad you brought up Obsidian Forge. I would also put Essence Scale out there. Obsidian Forge is obviously preferable because you can take out any number of your own creatures, and I play lots of times where I will use Obsidian Forge to blow out my entire board. Let's say I've got three creatures, my opponent has two creatures, Um, I will blow out all three of my creatures so that they're stuck with the two that they have down on the table. They can't fight into me to try and get them off the table, and if those creatures don't have good reap effects or anything else of note... Basically, they're stuck trying to figure out a way to get their own creatures off the table until I give them the opening to put down more creatures or give them something to fight with. So, yeah, anything that allows you to control your own board, uh, either by fighting into your opponent or by using artifacts or other cards that are removal that you can use on yourself, that's going to be very handy in a lot of Quixelstone scenarios. Indeed, yeah, for sure. I've said the word Quixelstone so many times in this episode, it's lost all Meaning. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about a scenario that I'm seeing a lot more now in Mass Mutation because of the introduction of Auto Encoder. Because one of the keys to playing against a Quixel Stone deck and to playing a Quixel Stone deck is discard, discard, discard. You will always be discarding creatures you can't play. Um, and that's just the nature of the way the game plays when it's out on the table. Auto Encoder makes this an absolute nightmare to play against. Um, if you are playing Quixelstone, your opponent has the auto encoder out. What's going to happen is every single turn, they're going to discard three cards out of their hand or, you know, some number like that and instantly have three cards into their archive, which they're going to be able to pull next turn and then do a bunch more discards. So they're going to be cycling their deck incredibly fast. And if they've got a lot of printed amber or a lot of good printed uh, enhancements on their deck, they're going to be going like a bat out of hell. I encountered a a deck today, Blake, when I was doing some testing uh, in preparation for this episode, where literally... Literally every single turn, my opponent was discarding five or six cards, getting five or six cards into his archive. And then each next subsequent turn, he would pull that archive, throw out five or six cards. He wasn't even playing creatures. He figured out that's the strategy. Mm. You know, he wasn't playing any creatures at all. He was just throwing every creature to the wind that he possibly could just to continuously be able to cycle his deck as fast as possible and play all of his good actions that had Amber on them and get all of his artifacts and stuff like that out and keep them out. So suddenly I was on the defensive because he figured out the strategy, which is if you got that auto encoder and you can use it, it's going to be a real tough road to hoe a lot of the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's uh. That's the funny thing is the the realization and the mentality switch when you see that come out on the board because it, it works both ways. Like you you got to get your mentality. It's, it's one thing when you're playing it because you're prepared, but when you're facing it down, you need to recognize the situation and prioritize. I mean, 
I think especially in mass mutation now, those vanilla creatures, they have got to go. Like they, you cannot afford to put those on the table. Like if they, they may be a body that you can reap, but sometimes that's really not going to cut it for you and it's going to hurt you in the long run. So you got to be prepared to just dump. Like when I was doing my testing last night, I had someone who who got it like right away and they were ruthlessly dumping their creatures. It was impressive. I was like, yes, this person understands us. And they were just like literally five cards out of hand dumped past turn. Like they weren't even thinking about playing the creatures. They literally called the house just to dump their hand. No other reason. And that is what you have to do when you're in that situation. You be ruthless about it and almost heartless. Like they, the cards have no meaning. They're just pieces of paper that need to go. That's it. This is one of the things that I wanted to bring up, Blake. Um, one of the reasons that people kind of hate playing against Quixelstone a lot of the time is that it does tend to transform the game into a numbers game. And oftentimes it can feel super unfair if your deck isn't able to counteract that maybe because it's a high creature count maybe it's just not a deck that has the tools to deal with your opponent's style of quicksilstone deck and this is one of the reasons why i never recommend playing these styles of decks in casual or friendly games ever um i think that it's almost purely a competitive thing um i play them in tournaments i played one in a recent tournament that we just wrapped up this past week um and more so than that um i also played it with i think uh, you know i i i will Oftentimes, if it's with a friend or somebody I know well in a context and I want to test it or get some experience playing it, I'll let them know what the style is so that they can bring something that possibly counteracts it or at the very least that they know mm-hmm. isn't going to make for an unfun game for them. Um, I feel very strongly that even though I really like playing Keyforge in the context of wanting to win and play competitively a lot of the time, it should still be fun And if you're possibly taking that option away from someone, it should be in a context where anything goes. Um, I personally believe that competitive on the Crucible is probably a place like that. But if you're unsure, it cannot hurt to let your opponent know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, With that said, a couple more quick notes here. Um, I find that very frequently one of the absolute best cards you can get paired with Quixelstone is Transporter Platform. The reason for that should be obvious. Um, The ability to lift your creatures back up off the table. Um, Oftentimes I will do a creature that has a play effect, lift it back up, play it down again to get that play effect again, or even lift it back up and throw it out. Maybe I don't want it anymore. Um, This rules in mass mutation because what we're looking at is uh, cards that maybe have a play effect plus an enhancement. So let's say you got Scout Pete. Scout Pete's going to give you the ability to do possibly a little bit of a deck cycle. It gives you a peek into the future. Maybe you can do that twice in a turn, or maybe you're like, I'm going to play Scout Pete once, bring him back, throw him out, and then I don't have to worry about this creature whose utility has been you know, already used for me, gumming up my board and giving my opponent opportunities to play more creatures. Um, Transporter platform, obviously, anything that can punish um, uh, your opponent for not having creatures to fight with is going to be really handy. Um, Obviously, you can't build those big sanctum boards uh, because Quixelstone wants you to not have a lot of creatures. But if you can get out creatures that are easily defended, maybe because they have big armor on them, maybe because you've got, like, say, um, 
your Squire Alice with a creature with Taunt next to her. That's going to be great because your opponent's probably not going to be able to build up enough of a board to fight into that to take out the Squire Alice. So that's the kind of amber control you're oftentimes looking for. Anything that you can put down on the board that's going to be able to hold your amber and then your opponent will have to, you know, either hit a board clear or have very select kinds of removal to deal with. These are all kinds of things that I look for in assessing these decks. Um, in addition, I think oftentimes what you really don't have to worry about oftentimes as much is a high exalt decks. Um, I find that capture and exalt are oftentimes not as punished in Quixelstone as they can be in other decks. That doesn't mean you don't have to worry about them. But if we look at a lot of the board clears that are still in the game, uh, if your opponent doesn't have, like, say, a gateway to dis or a red alert, um, even red alerts utility is is somewhat uh, uh, dampened by the style of play that uh, Quixelstone is. But um you know, uh, what else? Axiom of Grisk is going to have no effect against creatures that have Amber on them. Um, oftentimes you can get away with playing a lot more risky in terms of how much Amber you have on your side of the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting too when you, when you think about those things because it is riskier and you are putting, pretty much creating some pinatas out there because the fact that you have less creatures. And it's just interesting because you're really creating that, that proposition with you know, do they risk you losing a creature and them being that much further behind to get that ember? It's it's always, it's you know, it's it's the game that exists within Quixelstone. Like Quixelstone is a game within a game almost, and I think that's why it's such an exciting card. Exactly. Um, the funny thing about it, though, too, is that um, I, I mean, I, I'm not a big Heart of the Forest fan. No. Um, oh, F and that one card. of the reasons, yeah, one of the reasons I'm not a Heart of the Forest fan is I find that it slows down the pace of the game tremendously, which can happen with Quixelstone. But if you're playing a reasonably good Quixelstone deck, it probably won't, because one of the keys I think to success with Quixelstone is your deck can't be that slow. Like it can't be a slow, grindy victory with it, because too often you will run up against opponents who have artifact control that just blows out the Quixelstone, and then you're left with nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, you've you've got a slow deck whose major trick is now in your discard pile and you can't get to it for several turns. So what are you going to do about it? So uh, it's the speed factor, I think, that really is what makes it. And that's what keeps the games from slowing down to an absolute crawl. Unfortunately, that's also what oftentimes makes these games feel like blowouts and that can lead to some bad feelings. So back to what I was saying earlier, make sure you're playing it in the right context. Indeed. Can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. We call this one Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Blake, I got one for us this week. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier that we had a fun local tournament entirely played online, but just open to our local community and some of our friends from Seattle. So Pacific Northwest Keyforge Unity shouts out to all of our friends that we know from the various tournaments that we've attended that have come up here to play in Vancouver. I really hope that we have the opportunity to play with those folks again. I miss seeing folks like Ryan and Matt. Yeah, it was honestly such a great tournament. It was a lot of fun. Congrats to JD who took it down, uh, beating me one time. Actually, he beat me twice, but he only had to win once when we played uh, the final round. And it was honestly such a great tournament. And it was great to be able to connect with people locally because we have not been able to do so lately. And yeah, the, this was definitely a format I'm looking to do with everyone again, which is you have three decks and you can choose any of those three to play. And if you lose that round, you can actually swap out one of your decks for another one. And it was it created some really interesting decisions. One of the things that I really enamored of when we were playing this tournament 
was the fact that I think a lot of people brought a lot of different styles of deck to the game. Um, we weren't just seeing all mass mutation. We were seeing people dip into their uh, stable to pull out old Coda decks, n- brand new decks that they were excited about trying out. Um, and of course, you know, favorites from the other sets as well. Played against some AOA, played against some some Worlds Collide. I myself played two mass mutation decks and a Worlds Collide deck. Um, and, you know, it, it was so much fun. But I was stressing myself out so much, Blake, trying to make the right decision about what deck to bring i had two that i knew i wanted to play and the third one i just like i kept going is it too much of this is it too much of that does it have this kind of control does it have enough amber control i I don't know when the games that i'm playing trying to figure out if it's the right deck i just don't know if it's gonna go and ultimately what i did was i just went with it and even though i lost a bunch of games with it i also got to win a couple of games with it i now understand that deck a lot better so in the spirit of the kind of discovery that we were talking about on last week's episode and getting to know decks and the sort of discovery that comes from really understanding your decks, don't stress yourself too much about deck selection in a tournament or other like extended play scenario where you're not sure. Just pick a deck that you feel like you're going to explore a little and whether you win or lose, you will get value from it. And that's very much the lesson that I'm taking away from this. The deck that I ended up having in my stable was obviously the weakest. I lost a bunch of games because of it, but ultimately it is a deck that I now understand much better for that experience. Yeah, I'm big on that. Spending some time with a deck and understanding it for better or for worse, I think is an important thing, especially when we have vast collections, because I have a feeling you and I aren't the only ones feeling this, but getting more decks is starting to feel really daunting now. And I'm wondering how that feeling is going to progress as more sets come out. It's something I didn't anticipate in this game. It's like, oh, great, you don't have to collect individual cards. You get a whole deck. But now we have a glut of decks, and some of them are pretty much chaff. So you're just wondering, how do you move forward? And it's a little overwhelming at times. Yeah, I mean, the forbidden topic is, is it okay to throw out a Keyforge deck? Dun, dun, dun. That's a topic for a future episode. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. Uh, you can find me as Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter and on The Crucible and on Instagram. Blake, where can they find you? You can find me on The Crucible under Boulevard Blake Now is where I'm jamming games. And of course, the same name for my Twitch stream and Boulevard Paper Fight for my YouTube. And I'm streaming every single Tuesday night. So you can catch me there and go to my Twitter if you want some more info on that. After we played our games where uh, I came on and and played on stream with you, I went back and watched the stream later so I could hear what you were saying about me. (laughs) I was only talking smack, so don't worry. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. It was actually super fun to see the game from your perspective. I, uh, I had never had that experience of getting to see playing against myself from somebody else's viewpoint and that really did give me a lot of perspective on the way those games went down we got to get out of here until next time thank you so much for listening to this quixel focused episode i promise i will stop saying the word quixel until next time stay focused